welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Father, we pray this, these verses over Jamie and Michelle and Michelle. You give hope, you repair broken hearts, you bring light. Thank you, Father. We speak health. We speak hope. We speak light. We speak strength. We speak joy. And we pray, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Here in Jamie and Michelle and Michelle. Here on earth, as your will and your kingdom is in heaven. Manifest in each one of these. Our brother and our sisters, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. So, thanks, guys. Who wants to go first? You can sit down now. Michelle, apparently you're first. <laughs> no, there, you can write it down if you prefer. Do you want to hold the microphone? Probably. <laughs> About there. So I've decided to be baptised as a sign of my faith. I've found myself doubting for many years off and on, but now I believe it's time to tell Jesus that I do believe in him and I want to be in a relationship with him from now on. Oh, man. That's great. Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, I want everybody to know that it was really, really nerve-wracking for me to come down here. And I really, really made every excuse under the sun (laughs) not to do it, you know. But God was chasing me down because he kept speaking to me from within. And why am I getting baptised? Because he wants me to do it. Because he said so, and I love him so much. I've loved him since I was a little girl. And so I'm doing it because I'm doing it in obedience. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Amen. And Jamie. We went through the crib sheet with Ron um, earlier this week. Thank you, Ron. Thank you. And... um, there's a few things that God's been saying to me and basically it's um, to move away from past experiences past breakdowns into a more um, loving life into God's love into God's light Um, I'm not sure what to say actually but um, it's, it's the right thing to do for hard times against me and by me as well Sins committed against me and sins committed by me, moving into God's love, um, and hopefully, you know, coming back out of the water, a new man. Oh man! <laughs> Praise God! Hallelujah! So, we have some notes here. You still don't get to sit down. <laughs> you will do eventually, but then, of course, we're all going to go down the beach, and you're back up the front again. So. <laughs> Hallelujah. So why are they getting baptised? You heard something from their hearts. 
And that is the important thing. It's an expression of our belief that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Saviour. And that he has made the way for us. And part of what we're going to do is a formal confession of that. But it's also good just to hear the informal, what's going on in somebody's heart. Because baptism is the outward sign of what's going on inwards. When you become a Christian, the word clearly says, you are a new creation, the old has gone, the new has come. And that going down under the water, we're actually going to drown each one of them, which is never that encouraging to the people about to be doing it. It represents you going down into a grave. And then we do bring you up eventually. And <laughs> it's actually really, really quick. Don't drop out now. Um, then we push you, you go down and then we bring you up. And it's an outward sign of God doing something very new, very fresh in you, that is part of what has happened as you've become Christians, as you've given your life to Jesus. That learning to live in the fullness of what it is to be God's new creation, which is something God gives us at that moment we get born again, and yet it grows when we're baptised, and we never stop living in more and more of the fullness of what he's done. So it's a really special event. You can only do it once. As a believer's baptism. So it's a very special day. Um, in Acts, Peter had been preaching the gospel and telling them about Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection. And the people who were listening realized, I need to get right with God. And they say, well, what can we do? And this is what Peter said. This is the guy that was too scared to admit that he knew, to a servant girl, that he knew Jesus not that long before. Because by this time, he's had that encounter with God. He's been filled with the Spirit, which is something that's going to happen to you afresh. As you come out of that water, not only have you been baptized in water, but there will be a fresh baptism or immersion in the Holy Spirit to enable you to walk in his life. But this is what Peter says. Each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Then you will receive the Holy Spirit, says Peter. And as part of being baptised, I think Jesus would remind us that in his call comes a commission. And in this baptism, there's also a commission. This is the commission he gives all his disciples. Because when he gave it to his disciples, he said, and give this to everybody else. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we look forward to the day that you bring person after person after person who also wants to be baptised. Because this is the promise. Hallelujah. I would love to see one day where there are so many people being baptised, we've all got to muck in because there's too many to do it one at a time, you know? And Michelle and Michelle and Jamie will be part of the team that are just dunking them under the water. Because we have to do it that way. Hallelujah. That's, that's what I want to see. Do you know even Jesus was baptised? Because he was showing the way forward. He was baptised by John the Baptist. <laughs> that's why. Uh, so I'm going to ask you two questions. Which if you're going through with this today, you'll answer I do. Because this is a very simple confession of faith and we baptise you on your confession of faith it's not to do with what the word says it's not to do with what I say or what Adrian and 
Brian say as they baptize you today, although that's all important, it's about you and what you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And only you and God know how much you love him. So the first question is this. Do you turn from your sins and turn to God? I do. Excellent. The second one has the same answer. (laughs) Do you declare that Jesus Christ is your Lord and (laughs) Saviour? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So when you come out, out of that water, you'll know that you're rising to that new life in Jesus. There's one other little bit that Peter said, that when what I read earlier. He said, for the forgiveness of your sins. You're baptised for the forgiveness of your sins. And you need to know this. We all need to know this, even those who've been baptised. Because baptism is a moment in time that is outside of time. It is once for all. And we can always point back to baptism that it was the point we demonstrated that all sins that we have committed, are committing and will commit, are forgiven in Jesus as we come and believe in him. It's not that we don't have to repent, we still have to repent, that's what takes hold of it. But the forgiveness is there. There's a washing in that water as well. All the sin, all the, anything that God would want to perhaps not forgive you for, or you don't want to forgive yourself, is left in the sea. With all the other rubbish that floats around in South Bay. But there it is. At the bottom of the sea, so that when you come up, miraculously, you're washed clean of all that you've done, all that you should have done, all that you ought to have done, all that you wish you hadn't done, all that you should have done. It's all washed clean. And whenever you think, or the enemy whispers to you, what about... You say it's at the bottom of the sea. Even if it happens after this point. That's the amazing thing. Because God is outside time. He's not bound by one moment. Just as the crucifixion is for all time. Just as the ascension of Jesus into heaven is for all time. Your moment of baptism is for all your life. And whenever anyone or any spiritual element, if you like, points something out, you can say... It's at the bottom of the sea. I'm forgiven in Jesus Christ. That's what gives us that security and happy place with God. And why do we put you under the water? Well, if I haven't said enough already about dying down there and being washed clean, it's simply because baptism is actually a Greek... Baptizo is the Greek word. We actually use the Greek word. It means immerse. That's what it means. It was used... Uh, If you look at texts at the time of using that word, the most common use of the word is for washing clothes, immersing them in the water, shaking them around a bit. Oh, there's an idea. Shaking them around a bit and then bringing them out clean. (laughs) We won't. You're all right. You're safe. You're safe. Hallelujah. So we're going to go down to the beach when we've finished in a short while. We'll gather there down on the South Bay. Um... Usually we've got a York, York flag. Are you okay with that this, again, Brian? Awesome. Uh, a Yorkshire flag so that you can find us. I think it will be quite busy, but the tide's a long way out, so there'll be loads of space. And uh, we'll meet there, and we'll be ready to take these three into the water 
and see them live in the fulfilment of what I've just been talking about. So, as a prophetic act, and you have to tear these up if you don't finish, (laughs) here are your baptism certificates for you to have afterwards. So that's yours, Michelle. That's yours, Michelle. That's yours, Jamie. Hallelujah. They are official. If you ever have to show you've been baptised, that's your official certificate. Um, Shall we just stand and praise God and clap and appreciate what these guys are about to do? As it used to say at the end of a lot of TV programs, to be continued, dot, dot, dot. So, to go and take a seat. Hallelujah. And everybody can. I'm going to need my helpers very, very soon. So, don't forget, from next weekend, it will be Days of Favour, our week of prayer and fasting. Uh, Next weekend, Claire will run you through that a lot more. Shona's with us at the wedding, so, uh, well, I'm Brian, but Shona's with us at the wedding, so Claire's going to do the the preparation and everything. But she wants to remind you now that don't forget four days of favour. We are changing that room up there into a prayer room for the whole week. It's going to be open a lot more than usual. Uh, It's going to be much more accessible than usual. And there are slots that you can book in to pray. Okay, so that is over there on the reception area, I presume, is it? For you to sign in those individual slots. Please make use of it, otherwise Claire will be worn out filling them all in, because I know what she's like. (laughs) Uh, Just check the instructions, she says, before you sign up. And she wants to highlight a couple of things. I don't know why I'm doing your notices, but there you go, I'm willing to serve you. Uh, There is going to be some street worship on the Friday afternoon, a part of the week of prayer. Now, obviously not everybody is available on a Friday afternoon. We understand that. Uh, But it would be great to have people come. Um, There's going to be the opportunity to give out uh, hub vouchers, which gives people a free coffee here at the hub, but also just to chat or maybe just to sing or play an instrument. So talk to Claire if you're going to go along. You can just turn up, although it doesn't tell you the time. So you'll have to find that bit out from Claire. It's on the timetable. And uh, the half night of prayer on the Wednesday night, you can come for as much as you like. You don't have to stay until 11.30. Just come for what you can come for or do the whole night. Uh, It's a great opportunity to press in for prayer longer than we normally have. Uh, And we'll be exploring, of course, all week different ways of praying. There'll be plenty of declaration prayer prophetic prayer, announcing, but there will also be quiet prayer, there will also be contemplative prayer, there's also prayer around communion every morning. So it will be a different variety of things that we do and use as well. And on the Saturday, don't forget, Claire and I are running uh, a sort of a a teaching uh, activation day that fits in with what we're doing. It's called Being a Prophetic People, Developing Missional Imagination. Never before have we had such a title. Uh, The white text here says, it's an invitation, that's nice, to explore with us what it looks like to become a missional community that is prophetic in the way we see, hear, and act, and live each day. There's a little bit more on there. Have a look at that. Uh, It'd be great to have you with you. It's going to run from 10 o'clock till 3.30 with some breaks in there, and it will be some different uh, sort of teaching sessions that Claire and I are going to bring on that topic to sort of activate us particularly in what we're doing as we're continuing to move forward in God's plans and purposes for us. Amen? Hallelujah. 
Right. Okay. So I'm going to need some help. Before I get the help up, I'm going to ask a question. Any of you heard of John Landy? Brian says yes. I'll be impressed if you have. It rings a bell. Ding dong. What, when, what, when were you born, Brian? Embarrassingly asking you. 57. Well, this happened three years before you were born. It's that old, kids. It's ten years before Pastor Paul was born. Uh, how many of you heard of Roger Bannister? Yes. <laughs> you see, John Landy broke Roger Bannister's record a month later. If you're wondering what record Roger Bannister uh, did, because it's quite a long time ago, he was the guy that was the first to run a mile in four minutes in 1954. Uh, and John Landy, who's an Australian, actually beat him by 1.58 or something like that, 1.58 seconds in June. Isn't that incredible? But then what was amazing, so the world was really excited. There was, there was this whole furore, if you like, about who was the fastest runner. John had beaten the record, but what about if they were racing together? Because they'd never, ever raced together. What would happen if they raced together? Who would win? And you probably don't know that one, because the famous one is Roger Bannister running a mile in four minutes. It means you have to run at about 15 miles an hour. I guess that's pretty fast. I ask Elka, because she's a runner and I am not. (laughs) But the idea of running 15 miles an hour for four minutes sounds pretty... Yeah, it's, if you're a walker and you've got one of those little step thingies, um, if you're an average pacer, it's about 2,000 steps, if that helps you picture it. It's not short. Well, it's a mile. <laughs> Whatever that is in kilometres. Um, so, in August 1954... In in Canada? In Canada, in Vancouver, at the British Empire Games, because this was pre-Commonwealth, at the British Empire Games, Roger and John, Roger Bannister and John Landy were going to race. The world was, apparently, it was just, it went mad. If there'd been social media, but that wasn't going to happen for another 50 years, if there'd been Facebook and Pinterest and everything else, there would have been... Activity in extreme. As it was, people had to make do with writing letters and telephoning each other and listening to the news and reading newspapers. And it was billed as the dream race. Because it was going to bring these two giants at the time of the running world together. It was called the Miracle Mile because they were going to actually run the mile against one another. The race of the century. And that's what I want to do right here this morning. So... I need, don't worry, there's no fast running involved. You haven't got to run at 15 miles an hour. In fact, we have some special cinematic tricks to enable us to get around that. But I do need some of those young people to come forward to help me. I'm going to have a couple of runners and the rest are going to help me with the crowd. Come forward. Come forward. Noah, you're still sitting there. Come forward. (laughs) That's asking for trouble. That's it, that's it. And when I say young people, I mean anyone under the age of... 35, really. Some people... Just, thank you, John. Yeah, yeah. Some people are beginning to admit their age. I'm, I'm sorry for the insult of casting you in as kids, but that's how it goes around here. 
Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Excellent. Oh, brilliant. Come forward. Now, out of this crowd, most of you are going to be this excited 1954 crowd. So you've got to be in black and white, because everybody was in black and white then. You've got to be this excited crowd at Rogers and John's race in Canada. Uh, but I do also need a Roger and a John to race. Who, who would like to be the Australian John? Anyone? Yeah. You would? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Are you sure you're sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if you win? No. What if you lose? Yeah. You don't know yet. It could go either way. <laughs> come on then, Sam. Up you come. You. You're not now. Oh, I talked him out of it. Are you coming or are you not coming? Are you ready to act out? In which case you'd have to stand, because there's going to be standing involved and acting involved. I'm just checking. Are you sure? I fear fear you're a little doubtful here. Are going to be John or Roger? You you don't know who's going to win? Roger. Roger, John, John, Roger. One of them's one, one of them's the other. We will find out. All right. Okay. So you guys, if you could come over here and get on your marks ready for this race. Okay. I don't know how they did it in 1954. Have you any clue? Probably standing. Like that. All right. Do it like that. That would be fantastic. And you're going to race this way. So face that way. You, ladies and gentlemen, still seating here, you are going to be this 1954 worked up dream team Dream race crowd. Okay. So, yes, those of you that are British, you do need to speak with a British accent. Oh, jolly got, jolly good, jolly good job. If you can do that, that's awesome. If you can't, just go, yay! Okay? And remember to look black and white. It's a tricky acting job, but I do lead you to look black and white because it's 1954, and that was always the case then. So, what I'd like you to do is... You are the crowd that are standing in the, uh, whatever crowd's standing at races. Stands, that would be the thing. Yeah, come and stand in the stands along the front of this stage up here. All right, because this is the racetrack down here. Make sure you've got a good view. And I know you're not normally allowed on the stage, but this is acting. And you're always allowed on when you're acting. That's it, boys. You can go up, stand with the others. Stand with... That's it. Bring the rabbit... That well-known rabbit of 1954. (laughs) No, you're not allowed to run in the hall. But this is a special acting job for Sunday, the 2nd of September. Okay, now, let's move this over here slightly. Okay, so... I want you to be like a photograph when I say, one, two, three, go. So you've been, I want you to just practice this, ready for the big race, okay? So when I say click, you've got to freeze as if you were shouting and cheering the race. Do you get that? Like we were looking at an amazing photograph of extremely handsome people. (laughs) Apart from one or two. <laughs> they guessed it. <laughs> They're very nice people. They're there to help me. Okay, one, two, three, click. Okay, and relax. That's not bad. Not good, but not bad. 
You know, it's, it, you, you are a lot more excited than that. So much more dramatic. Although, please don't hit anybody next to you in a wild arm swing. Um, just before we do that as well, let's step away from the photograph for a minute. Let's imagine we're... Lo- You're not racing yet. No cheating. Let's imagine we can hear you. And if you can do a terribly posh British accent watching Roger, or you could do an Australian one, because I can't, because there were obviously Australians cheering for John as well. So just a little bit of British and Australian cheering, please. One, two, three, go. Fantastic. Aren't they awesome? Okay, so when the race is running, I'm either going to say photo, I'm still speaking with a kind of funny British accent, I'm either either going to say, I don't know who to face now, I'm either going to say photo or sound. If it's photo, you freeze. If it's sound, you have to do six seconds, six seconds of British stroke Australian, maybe even a little bit of Canadian, cheering. It's the odd Canadian speaks French, so you could even add a bit of that if you like. Yeah? Are you ready? Good. I'll take that as yes. One last practice. Photo! There, that's good, that's good. And six seconds went, so you can relax. Sound! Excellent. Remember to try and keep to your six-second limit. But if you're going on long, you'll get the cancel symbol like this. Right. John Landy, over here, please. Could you be hidden then, please, uh, Joshua? Just there. Okay. And this Samuel here, then, is Roger Bannister. So, at the beginning of this race, you are the first world record holder of the four-minute mile, Roger. You, John are the current holder of the record since you beat him in a race. Okay. I feel like I'm taking huge risks. Now. (laughs) Okay. Now, because we're filming this, we are actually going to put it all in slow motion with the odd stop frame, okay? Yes. Yes. So... Imagine the music from earlier running is like chariots of fire. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it doesn't sound anything like that, but just imagine it. <laughs> you wouldn't believe you've got a bunch of singers in this room, would you? Okay, and you have got to run, but with style. And the tricky bit is, I need you, because we're reenacting history here, to very closely keep together, okay? Just stay, on, not that sort of closely, I mean, in line with... Ah, oh dear, you can't get the staff these days. Okay, so, very, very slow racing. Very, very, off you go. Very, very slow racing. And freeze. Sound. Photo. And this freeze for you too. This is how the crowd was on the day. They were so excited. Now, despite what one of our actors is currently doing, you're Roger. 
Roger, after, after some time, was behind John. It looked for certain that John was going to win. Cue Joshua smiling. Photo. Sound. Okay, runners freeze. You can do whatever you like, but you're behind him. Okay. The whole key to what went on was at this moment, Roger Bannister was behind. John Landy was going to win, and therefore, in an equal race between the two of them, would have been the champion, despite what world records and everything else already said, although he was currently the world record holder. He's running, but something begins to happen in here. I don't know whether it was what the crowd were cheering about. Afterwards, people would write that he looked certain to win at this point. Would he or wouldn't he? In his mind, he began to wonder, am I going to win this race? He didn't know where Roger was. Nowadays, when a lot of runners are running in big sports events, they can look at a big screen anyway and see where everybody is. But this was before that happened. All he knew was that Roger, as me, because that Roger is somewhere else, uh, was behind him somewhere. And he did just what Joshua's doing right now. In his mind, he thought, where is he? And he looked round behind him. And in the moment that he looked round, he very slightly misstepped because he was looking round. I read in a running magazine, the only one I've ever read, because I was wondering about this whole looking back thing, and it said when a runner is looking forward, they're looking to win. When a runner looks back, they're looking to not lose. That could mean something, I don't know. But it turns out all along, Josh, that Samuel here has, was beginning to predict what happens because as you looked round, really just towards the end of the race, Roger powered past him and hit the finishing line. There's a famous statue still there in Vancouver of the two of them with John Landy just doing this. Sound! <laughs> Photo! Photo! And Roger Bannister won the race, the dream race, the race of the century, and became the, one, the man we still remember, probably because of those two events. I'd like a big round of applause, please, for all the actors. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, and rabbits. You may depart from the stage. Thank you. John Landy gave this quote later. He said, I would have won the race if I hadn't looked back, if I hadn't taken my eyes off the goal. Amazing, eh? Nowadays, since then, because it was this barrier that people even wondered whether we could physically break it, but since then, 1,400 men have beaten that record. In fact, the current four-minute mile record is... 
Three minutes, 43 seconds. So even faster. That's a whole chunk faster. Incredible, isn't it? Um, but because somebody showed it was possible, others started to believe it was possible. John Landy, he'd already beaten Roger, Roger on time. But at one crucial moment, he began to doubt whether it was possible. He still finished the race. He was still an amazing runner. But he was just beaten at the post there. Now, those of you that know your Bibles, you know that St. Paul in the Bible refers to racing a couple of times, doesn't he? He refers to this lot on the stage here. Therefore, this is from Hebrews, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, this great cloud of all the people that have gone before us, people from history who are Christians, people who are our friends, people who are our family, all those that have already run this race are there cheering, urging us to run on. Because they're up. They're with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They know the full picture. And they're cheering us to keep running the race. Some of us will sometimes not just look back, but actually stumble and fall. And we'll need friends to come and pick us up and get us running again. Sometimes it takes a while to get running again. Sometimes it takes quite a time. But what we don't want to do is take our eyes off the goal. Because this is the race we're running. Let's read a little bit more of St. Paul. Let's throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles. There has to be decisions. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it feels impossible. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That's our lives. I don't know when my finish line is. Nobody knows where their finish line is. We just don't. It could be soon, it could be long. But I want to reach the finishing line, running to the fullness of my ability. Fixing, uh, run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That sounds just like John Landy, fixing our eye, my eye on the goal. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. And I'm not speaking for long this morning, but I want to share one more uh, word from St. Paul. This one was when he was writing to the church in Philippi, and we call the letter Philippians. This is from chapter 3. And he's been talking of himself, of taking hold, really, of everything that God has promised him in Christ. Taking hold of it and having it. I mean, this is St. Paul. He, in Christian terms, he must be determined to have lived a pretty successful life. He his writings are, form part of what is now the Bible. And people are still studying and reading and praying and thinking about his writings nearly 2,000 years later. That's, that's a pretty impressive thing to have achieved in this world. You could say, well, there are others that did that. There are none others that are so widespread. Incredible man of influence on the world even today. People still argue about the words that he wrote. Some people are disgusted with the words that he wrote. Many people are extremely excited about the words that he wrote. I believe that he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and we have for us the word of God. As do many of you. Not that I have already obtained this goal of being Christ-like, but I actively press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of for me and made me his own. 
He's already gone ahead. He's already done it for us. It's about us taking hold of what he's done for us. But even in that, he graces us to enable us. Sometimes that grace means we're just running powerfully. Sometimes that grace means we manage to get back up again after we tripped over our own feet. Sometimes the grace comes in forms of friends and sits with you and encourages you to get back up and let's run together again. None of these positions are wrong. They are what's called life. And that's why we need each other, even in Christ. Because God's grace often comes with a human face. Dear brothers and sisters, this is Paul writing on, I have not yet achieved it. Incredible that he would write that. This was long into his life. He's accomplished so much. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race. He's not saying you won't ever fall. He's not saying you won't ever crash. He's just saying our goal is to fix our eyes on Jesus. None of us will do it perfectly. We will all have John Landy moments. And worse. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling me. And as we run that race, it's like God is running it with us. It's like God is at the finishing line saying, come on. But he's also part of the great cloud of witnesses of great Christians throughout history. It's talking about the heavenly host of people and all the angels and God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit. And they're looking down at individual people in that race. And they're just cheering them. Wherever they are, wherever they're at, they know there's more race to run. Whether they're running at the fullness of their height of strength, fully in the mercy and grace of God, and they are cheering that person on. Or whether they're actually at this moment lying on the floor with a broken leg. They're cheering them on. Come on, you are going to get well. Come on, that leg's going to heal. You will be running again. The person on the floor is thinking, I'm never going to run again. This is an impossible break. But God the Father's saying, no, my son. No, my daughter. I'm the mender of legs. I'm the mender of broken spirits. It's going to take some time, but you are going to run like the wind again. Because I'm calling you. And when things get there, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Because what we look at is what we will become like. What we stare at is what will motivate us. And it's not that we don't look back in thanks for everything God has done. The metaphor is not perfect in that sense. But it's that we don't needlessly look back at all the struggles and all the things that have gone wrong. We just allow God to put all the struggles and all the disappointments all the things that haven't worked, we let God deal with that, that they become a foundation to help us to continue to see the calling of God work in our lives as we continue to run forwards. Even if I'm running forwards at that moment, he's waiting for a leg to heal. 
even if the running forwards at that moment is saying yes to the friend that's standing next to you so that you can run and reach that goal of being Christ-like in every possible way. And Michelle and Michelle and Jamie, that's what they're doing very shortly down on the beach. That's what they're doing in baptism. It's the declaration of, in my life, I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. Michelle said, I really struggled to get up here. That's not unusual. Because you are making a very public declaration of what you believe. Of what your faith is. But what you are doing when you're baptised is you're fixing your eyes in Jesus, you're announcing your intention. You're not announcing your intention with an unrealism that says everything's just going to go perfect now. It's a race. Running is hard. John Landy and Roger Bannister didn't just turn up in Vancouver and say, well, I've been smoking and drinking for three nights. I don't really believe in practice. I don't think any of them spoke like that, so I don't know why I am. Well, I've been hitting the, I've been hitting the lager, <laughs> said John. No, they didn't. They practiced and practiced and practiced and disciplined themselves for years to be able to do what they were doing. And such is the Christian walk as well. God's grace enables it, but we have to also firmly fix our eyes on Jesus and look to him and no other so that we can run the race. And you know what? There's a great crowd of witnesses here. It's not just those who've gone before us. It's those that are sitting around us right now. That part of that crowd. It's kind of funny because we're kind of in the crowd and running it together at the same time. We're there cheering one another on, but we're there running together with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, praise God. If what I've said this morning means that you want to begin the race, you've never said yes to Jesus, come and see me at the end, because today you can begin the race, you can begin following Jesus. Your eyes can be fixed on him rather than your problems and your own life. Come and see me after. Or maybe you've done that. And you know, what I haven't done is been baptised. And you think, how am I going to organise that? I don't know. But if you need to be baptised, you can still do that. Today. On the beach. South Bay. Now, it's... (laughs) We could have had that earlier. You're 20 minutes too late. <laughs> awesome. I guess you're going to play at the end, aren't you? It'd have been really hilarious then. It will still be funny. Where was I? Yes. 18 minutes past 12. Uh, so, meeting on the beach at, what, quarter past one? Slightly earlier than normal. We normally do half past, but we finished earlier. So, quarter past one. So we haven't got that long here, I'm afraid, today. If you were thinking of hanging out all afternoon, because this will be shutting up so that everybody can get down to the beach that wants to be down on the beach. Hopefully as many can be there as possible to support our family as they make this important step. Okay? See you on the beach. Have a great afternoon. God bless.
Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.